0: Frankly, most people who buy and want code to be written don't actually read the code, whereas with design, they see every single part of it and they want to talk about it.
1: Build your health app on the most accurate data available. The Healthcare Locator SDK instantly connects your apps to the world's leading healthcare database. Add provider names, locations, and specialties in just hours. Visit healthcarelocator.com to download today. Hello, and welcome to a special episode of the Stack Overflow podcast. The recording you're about to hear was done live through a service called Fishbowl. We got to hang out and chat and then meet with members of the audience something we're testing out. Uh, You might see us in the future, places like Clubhouse or Twitter Spaces. So if you enjoy this next episode, please do let us know. You can email us, podcast at stackoverflow.com. And uh, we're going to split this episode into two parts. So you'll hear part one, great conversation with me, Paul Ford, Sarah Chips, some folks from Google who chimed in. And then tomorrow we will release part two, uh, where we get some great questions from the audience, what to do when your engineering team really hates you. <laughs> All right. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode live in the fishbowl of the Stack Overflow podcast. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for coming. If you're listeners of the Stack Overflow podcast, thanks for showing up. If you're just here because of, you saw a random tweet, thanks for showing up.
0: This is an experiment. Ben and I have been charged to, let's see, it's 801, right? So I think until yeah. about 804, would you say 803? Yeah. We have to create really engaging conversation, but not mm-hmm. get too substantive. Just kind of gotcha.
1: bring people into the room. So, um, what did you read today? I had a good read about the end of fiat currency. It's <coughs> me the, coughing because yeah.
0: fiat currency is very important to me, very emotional. The rise what, of why crypto is it as the time? reserve
1: currency of choice. And I, I'm oh. planning an NFT. Do you want to hear about my NFT?
0: Wait, okay, where did you read this? Was this on lesswrong.org? Where did you read this amazing uh, coin, fact?
1: Coindesk has an editorial department now.
0: <laughs> no, no. Coindesk has always had an editorial. Coindesk is editorial. Coinbase, you're
1: thinking of. Oh, yeah. Coinbase, not, not Coindesk. For Coinbase. For God's sake, has a I know news it's desk. late. Coinbase has an uh, uh, an opinion section an op-ed board. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> CoinDesk is actually a pretty
0: good website. I don't know if yeah, people know good. it, but if, there's a journalist there, Brady Dale, who I just think is is
1: top-notch when yeah. it comes to the cryptos. Uh, but Paul, let me That's ask you right. a question. All right, I was thinking about it today, you know, the title of this is building software in the new normal. And what I was thinking is maybe it's more like the world is coming to you, like a lot of people are learning to work in a mode that is comfortable <sighs> and familiar to the software developer remotely, asynchronously, boards and automations? What do you think?
0: No, you make a real point. So, Okay, so for context, because I I know probably a lot of people here don't know who we are. I own a software company. I'm the co-founder of a software firm called Postlight. We're about 80 people. And for years, about half the company is engineering. And for years, engineering has been remote first. It's always been led by someone from out of New York City, but our headquarters are in New York. Product management and design were always New York City based. Right. Then we went all remote, and suddenly we said, "Okay, you know, to hell with it. Let's stop pretending. We're going to start hiring designers and and product managers from all around all around the world, really, and especially all around the U.S." So, what is tricky, and what we're still working out, and frankly, what I think will take years to work out, mm-hmm. is that engineering collaboration processes have a few things that are just really good. A, they're very text-based yeah. because code. Goes, you know, code is usually just a form of like flat, relatively flat text. B, tools like GitHub were built to support a kind of asynchronous text based merge driven workflow, right? Exactly. And they don't require live in person collaboration. And I, you know, like anything, I think people benefit when they get in the room together and, and work together, but it truly isn't a necessity. And the way that open source and the way the code works in general is that people find something and they're like, I want to fix that. And then they go ahead and fix it. And then they issue the, the pull request and, you right. know, in 2021, and then it gets merged in. When you go to design and product, it is different. So like when you have a lot of people, if people have used Figma, Figma is a beautiful tool, design tool. Yeah. You can see everybody's cursor moving around. I use Whimsical a lot. There's Miro. There's all these tools, but like Figma for design. Amazing tool. Works really well. But it doesn't. It's not as natural a workflow for design. Design still seems to really involve one or two people going away, working on something, coming back and saying, well, you know, here's what I figured out. I'd like to share it with you. I'd like you to take a look at it. And so the tools are trying to catch up. They're trying to make sense. and. They're getting there. They've made You can do much more beautiful stuff collaboratively than you ever could before. But engineers have a terrible advantage. And they also have a terrible advantage in the kind of work they do and the people who buy the work don't expect to be as involved and connected. And frankly, most people who buy and want code to be written don't actually read the code. Whereas with design, they see every single part
1: of it and they want to talk about it. You know, I think that I've been noticing this. I come from the editorial world as a journalist, then moved into marketing, content marketing at technology and software companies. And the developer tools are just slowly but surely encroaching. The design team will start working with GitHub and then they'll add that, you know, to my Monday or my Trello because they're saying, well, we want to push this change for your blog or we want to, you know, Help you out with a newsletter, but we gotta file, yeah. You know, we gotta we gotta request in y- GitHub. Same with Jira. Now, hey, you wanna work with legal? You wanna, you know, you want to do some procurement for a new contractor, get this Jira ticket going. So it's like the software tools I think were kind of built for the world we live in now. They have that advantage. And as you pointed out, they seem to be slowly <laughs> exfiltrating into new departments. Well, I think you're hitting on something really fundamental, right? Which is that if we talk about the future of remote work and the
0: future of kind of digital remote work. Right now, today, I think mostly what we're talking about is everybody works more and more like a developer. Yes. Everybody uses more and more of an engineering style process. So mm. groups of people, you break things down in their component parts, groups of people go and work on them. They come back, somebody brings them and merges them together into one coherent whole. Mm-hmm. Everybody sort of looks at how it works, tests it, evaluates it, goes back, and then iterates on that again, whether they're adding new features, fixing bugs, writing unit tests, all of that stuff. So that is, and there's Agile and Agile with scrum and Waterfall and all the different ways that you build that. But like I think when I say engineering process, what we know is that people are writing code and they're putting it somewhere and other people are kind of merging it together and the computer is somehow making it go. And then you see
1: how it works. Right. Um,
0: and that that's is welcome. actually
1: not how. What, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, let's welcome
2: our
1: wonderful third co-host, Sarah. Chips. Hi, Sarah. you're
2: muted. Get unmuted. I'm unmuted. Thank you, guys, so much. There you go. I'm excited to be here. So
1: good to have you. Just
0: just today, you were saying, when are we going to get on a fishbowl and talk about
1: development processes? (laughs) So, Sarah, well, I'll give you the spiel we were doing, and then we we like love your thoughts. So, basically, we were saying, what's the new normal? You know, building software, and then we were just kind of reflecting on how developer tools maybe were kind of already built for this remote, asynchronous you know, sort of like build in peace world and that the world is kind of coming to you as a software developer. People from marketing and design are kind of learning to think more like engineers and, and using more of your tools, whether that's GitHub or Jira. I don't know. What do you think having worked cross-functionally at Stack Overflow? What do you see?
2: I, I think about this all the time. It's the most annoying thing. I, I imagine being a marketer or someone on the sales team and having a developer tell you, you know, you guys should really work in GitHub. I think that's probably <laughs> like the most annoying thing on the planet. And I really respect the folks that really step up to do it. My question is always, I, I think often about how convenient is it actually, right? Like when we think about yeah. GitHub, we think about like the most wonderful place to be building software, and it's it's so great. But you know, it's kind of the same concept as Google Docs, right? Like you have versioning.
0: Can I make a point, right? Which is that like engineers deep down in their hearts believe that markdown is good they believe that like if we just add some special squiggles to a text file that's as good as typography needs to get in order to do work and it's awesome because then we have really complicated html documents but they're not really html they're just flat text and they're easy to version and all those things i hate that it means that you're basically taking all the, all the sort of history of typography and all the wonderful things you can do with documents and you're saying, let's flatten it so that it's better for the computer. Right. Yeah.
2: I mean, no one likes, well, I have a suspicion that no one actually enjoys Markdown, but everyone.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, so. I think you're right. Well, they, because it's easy to implement, you go get the lever, It's but you know, for God's sake, since like 1973, you've been able to add bolding and like, you know, hit control B. Uh if you're on a Windows <laughs> machine, command B on a on a Mac.
1: And, but Paul, uh, I think, you know, like to the point of yeah, everyone is is and Sarah what you're saying, is this tool the right way for everyone? It was designed to work in the world we live in now, which is everybody in front of screens, possibly versioning, trying to work together on something and avoid these overlaps that could cause headaches. So I used to be in a newsroom, we would yell at each other. If you were working on a magazine in design, instead of web design, you would be like in the same room with your stuff spread out. So in some ways, like the way that software was always done on the computer, on screens, and with this real attention to detail around versioning because you didn't want to have bugs in the final, does make sense now for all of us, right? That has to be all of our process.
0: I mean, you know, we don't have to be the only people to talk about this, Ben. We can't see it because we're the host, but apparently there's like, you know, raise your hand to talk feature Mm. on the bottom left of this app. So if anybody wants to tell us how they, yeah, if anybody wants to tell us how they raise their
1: hand, I want to know. I want to hear from them.
0: We'd love, you know, don't say first time caller. You're not allowed to say that. But other than that, you can say anything. Hello.
3: Hi. Thank you. you Hey. Oh my God, this works beautifully. Look at us collaborating. Hello hi i just wanted to to join and say that there's a lot of things that are happening you know right now uh in the engineering world for collaboration but um i'm keen on learning from the designers about what have you found to be useful uh, or is, is is there no alternative to just meeting in person for designers
0: oh That's i can question. i can tell you what we're doing at work and then hopefully if there are some designers on the call they can they can jump up and and tell me that i'm wrong so Figma has really taken over our organization. We have a 20-plus 20, 20 person design team. And I would say it's it's taken over Sketch. It's clearly, there's not a lot of Illustrator, Adobe XD. Like Figma is the way to go. People collaborate in, in it all day. They use it to present. They use it to prototype. Uh, it's even taking over for things like Envision. And the the sort of group collaboration aspects of it with a distributed team really are effective so th- so that's big and then for concepting whiteboarding sort of creative design sprint kind of stuff it's a sort of toss up between a couple different tools there's miro there's another one i think called mural Miro seems to be winning just because it's the most like sticky notes and it seems to be getting adoption kind of all over the place for the kind of like, let's throw sticky notes on the board. But the one that's coming from behind is Whimsical. So these are the whimsical is my favorite, which is just it's like a mind mapping sticky note concepting tool. I used it for an hour and a half on a meeting today to just kind of gather what people were saying. So the designers in the org are using these tools more and more as kind of a baseline. What has not changed is the, the need to present the work in a re- almost like a formal way. Like you just need to walk people through what something is. And in a way, I think like sometimes engineers can throw something over the wall and say, I think it works now. Go ahead and see how, how it works on your machine. So, you know, the Zoom call, the meet, the let me walk you through the slides, you know, let me show you in Figma, let me throw, show you how this thing is going to work that formal presentation has only become more and more important uh, since the pandemic started
1: uh, but i'd love to hear what other people are doing and, and what else they're seeing yeah and then we're going to have a podcast episode about this coming up but our head of brand design you know uses figma uh, we've we've used miro recently and then you give a designer with a little bit of development chops monday.com and man they go off <laughs> suddenly <laughs> that is true workflows. They're, you know, building cascading uh, loops for you to file your requests. It's 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 quite exciting to see them. Maybe try, try that stuff.
0: Yeah, data gathering is a big part of this. I, I think that it really anyway. Yeah, we should we should be listening.
1: The gentleman who who asked to speak, can you say your name and where you work? I don't want to mispronounce your name, but thank you for coming and asking a question. I really appreciate it.
3: Sure. Yeah, my name is Gaurav Mishra, and uh, I work at Google.
1: Okay. Well, thank you so much
3: for coming you in so and asking a question. I mean, you, hard, off, you, you know
0: more than we do, for God's sake. You're, you're at the heart of it.
3: <laughs> well, um, you know, at Google, it tends to be, we tend to be sort of like in a silo and there's mm-hmm. like, you know, we have all, everything is internal. So we have a bug tracking tool. We have our own sort of like meeting software, right? I mean, you know, if, if it's not made at Google, then we don't use it. <laughs> right. <laughs> apparently. Well, something to so, collaborate across
1: departments for engineering Google Wave, they could call it. Google Wave. No, oh, no,
3: no,
2: JK, no, JK, no, don't JK. Don't, JK. Don't.
3: Okay, don't do that. You're not guy. in marketing for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's so, way to get people riled up, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that's what you gotta do on a live.
1: That's what you gotta do in a live
0: listen, now. Wave was good. We should wave spend the good. rest of this podcast just breaking down all the things things that were in wave that everyone has spent the last you know 10 15 years trying to rebuild
1: everything really good that you're going to sunset just take off the google and open source it reader right. wave put it all out in the comments
0: Oof, uh, don't yeah. don't put a person on the spot somebody finally raises their hand and you do that but
1: no on. no i'm not I'm putting on. him on the spot i'm saying
0: largely.
3: yeah no i mean i am uh, right there with you about you know product cancellations and stuff like that you know google reader was my favorite and uh, obviously oh, God, Wave was good so yeah, I mean, you know, I, I hear you. <laughs> All
1: right, so yeah, thank hey. you again. Why don't you step down and we'll ask other people to step up? But I'll I'll introduce a new sure. topic since we just had someone on from Google. So Paul, we were doing some hiring from someone who's always been a remote at Stack Overflow, and this maybe applies to Postlight. And they were saying the move to fully remote has been a big boost to small companies that don't have a big reach. Now that remote hiring is the norm you can reach a much bigger and better pool of talent that normally before you would have had to have an office to compete on or like a wide sort of you know HR net. What do you think? Has-
0: it's all real tricky. And the stories that people tell about remote versus in-person are, you know, there's a lot of myth, right? So here's what I've observed. A, of course there's talent everywhere. That should be a given. It's global. There are people learn skills and so on. There are cultural sensitivities around New York that when you are servicing a New York client versus I have a cl- one of my clients is the MTA that they make the trains go and the buses, they are here. They are, they are literally all around the city and presence is just understood for them. And so are you going to be able to educate them about what remote work means? Well, during the pandemic, sure. After the pandemic, probably a little, but it's also a little bit TBD. And so that's what we're negotiating as a firm that like, you know, Google has a very good policy, actually. I think, which is, is uh, they announced that they're going to go three days a week. It's going to be very flex. But Google works for Google, right? So I, I work for banks and the MTA and media companies and so on. And, and ultimately, they're my bosses. I'm the CEO, and that's a nice thing to say. But I'm in client services, and so what do they need in order to feel that they're getting like a clear understanding and that they're they're getting what they need now? So I have to solve that problem. I think the way that we do solve that problem is some mix of more flex time, people being present, more strategies for remote people to be present. Some people are really good at leaning in remotely. Some are a little more quiet, trying to figure out career paths around the disciplines where people who are going to stay remote have a good understanding of how they can progress, but also for people who want to be kind of in the mix of things and be part of growth, how do they jump in and and sort of connect directly with the client? So like, it's all a big muddy puzzle and people are like, no, look, I can be just as productive at home. It's like, well, you can, you can get your work done. And it's not that I, I need to see your face or that I need you to prove it to me. It's just that certain parts of growth happen because humans are together, and I actually don't have the power to change that in my business. I can't right, make right. that.
2: I different. wonder, the counterpoint: Are you just an old? <laughs> like I <are>
0: wonder. <you>, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but sure, <laughs> of course, I, I am, Sarah. I'm but totally no, but so are, so are my clients. So are the people right. who write the checks. Yeah, like, I have to negotiate that,
1: Sarah. Before I let you go, because I know you're you're celebrating your transition to LinkedIn, and we're celebrating you. If I said to you, you know, what's building software in the new normal like? You're, you know, you're coming from Stack Overflow community team, but also software. You're going to be an engineering manager. Do you think anything fundamentally has changed for folks who, you know, day in day out, yeah, are working on building software? Is there a new normal for you, or do you think the last year and a half hasn't really fundamentally changed the way you're going to work?
2: I think what we've observed is that there has been a really big change. I think. It's really too early to tell. I think, I mean, at Stack Overflow, we all used to have our own offices. So it was basically mm-hmm. we were remote all right. the time. But I think it's going to take some time for all of us to come to the other side of this and figure out, actually have things changed.
1: All right. We're going to let Sarah go. Paul and I will carry on and invite some more folks. Goodbye, Sarah. For me Bye, Sarah. Bye, Sarah. Paul, counterpoint to what you were saying about client services in New York. I have a relative who used to work for the Oregon State Government, Eugene, doing urban design, and now they said you can live anywhere. You know, you can just send us the files and be on the Zoom calls and be wherever. So, let's say I was the MTA before, I would have think I would probably hire in New York and ask people to come to the office. Now, the MTA can have a great designer engineer anywhere in the world, right? Like, doesn't that open up a little? It does.
0: I think it's going to be. You know, this is the worst answer in a podcast because the answer is like, here's what it's going to be. And here's the three things you need to do. And let's get ready. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Very large organizations can say, okay, we're going to see the end of the pandemic. Eventually, we're going to go to flex time. We see what our, what our employees want to do. And we don't think that this is going to hurt our revenue. So here we go. But most of the organizations in the world, you know, when you think about software, right? Like... It's like something like 18 million people are are in this industry and like probably, I don't know, 12 million of them are not working at big companies, but working at like consulting firms in the back rooms, doing stuff for, for inside of their, you know, inside of other orgs. And I was thinking about, you know, like the carpet company that has a Salesforce implementation, right? Like who's taking care of that? Could be totally remote. Could be that the, you know, the boss really expects them to be in the, in the office. Could be that there's a vendor involved, like. It's just going to be messy, and it's going to take really about a year to fully unpack. uh, unpack. You know, I think from a personal point of view, I have a software company. Some people can't wait to get it back in the office. Some people are obviously incredibly anxious and nervous about it. Some people really want to stay remote. Some people are already distributed around the United States and, and, you know, don't want to get on an airplane everyone is a mess after the last year, right? Yeah. That's just a fact. So it's like, first, we got to solve that, right? First, mm-hmm. we have to solve the everyone is a mess problem. Yes. Okay. It's um, easiest thing in the yeah.
1: world is somebody who wants to come back in the office. <laughs> Everybody else is going to need like six months to unpack what just happened to them. Yeah. There's going to be, you know, emotions and, and, and psychology around easing back in. I'm already starting to feel that with, do I venture out of my house and work from the coffee shop? Do I Go to the gym once or twice a week because it adds to my health. But, you know, also, you know, I feel risk when I'm there. So yeah, even as someone who's double vaccinated and two weeks out, I'm sort of weighing those things always in my head. I don't feel totally calm. But Paul, I, I guess another thing that that came to mind when we talk about, you know, like building software in the new normal is that people have been at home. They've been thinking about their projects and thinking about their jobs and what's important to them. It seems to me like the trend of Open source has only continued to grow and to work its way deeper into large enterprises and companies that, you know, previously were kind of even starkly opposed to open source. Do you feel like there's momentum there? And has the last year and a half played any role in that, or that's just the continuation of a big wave that's been coming? Let me just yeah. say if you're in the crowd and you wanna, you wanna join, we'd welcome a new question after after Paul wraps up. I mean,
0: you know, I think, look, I, I most of the solutions my org delivers are are web-based. So if you look at things like React, React components, the way the, the back ends of the APIs work, I mean, my life is open source software built on top of cloud platforms that are tightly controlled by one or two or three giants, <laughs> um, you know, which are also open source software, but right. sometimes it gets really tricky. Yeah. I think what's fascinating is, you know, the Mac has been built on the Darwin core and a BSD core for decades now. And, you know, Homebrew is, is a huge part of anyone doing serious programming work on the Mac. And, and on the Windows side, you've now got the Ubuntu subsystem for Linux and, and Microsoft is, uh, you know, a huge supporter and caretaker right. of the open source ecosystem. So I, I think that, like, I feel that we're done. Like, I feel that, like, anyone who is still fighting that
1: fight is yeah. way out of date. Maybe Oracle,
0: but even no, no. Oracle. Well, I think you know, that's that,
1: right. It's like there's a regime change and now it's settled. It's in a settled state, right? There's not like a big conflict trying to sort it out, which it's like we've shifted. People have accepted the utility yeah, I mean, the and real, the scale of open source and that can sit next to these big money-making SaaS platforms.
0: That's right. Like I, mean, I think there are still some relatively closed ecosystems. Like Salesforce is like you go in there, you use their Apex coding environment. Like they're not... You kind of live inside of Planet Salesforce, even though it's a web-based uh, set of platforms. but right. so there are still some kind of you know walled gardens that are going on. But for the most part, if you're building kind of software for open platforms that are going to be you know distributed very widely, not just for internal or CRM style use, you're you're going to use something open along the way. And I, I right. think that that if we go one level down from your question, it actually what I think it gets to a little more is like a kind of agile Git driven style of development uh-huh, uh-huh. has absolutely taken over everywhere and every way. Right. I just yeah. don't know many people who don't do that. And I'm I'm sure there's millions of pockets of people who are like, no, I you know, I program my visual basic and compile right. it by hand using my <laughs> PDP eleven. But like, but for the most part, it's on GitHub. Like Microsoft did yeah. it was very
1: smart. What a bucket of, like just like yeah. we're going to have the whole ecosystem let's let's help ourselves no i mean when folks come to me for content marketing help and to do you know brand building and sort of uh, awareness we do blogs with them and typically what they want it to do in the end is guide the reader to some open you know repo where they can start playing with the tools themselves like typically what they want in the end is for the developer to be interested you know to take, to read the article where they're you know they get some technical explanation or walk through a project but then to be able to pass those tools off with ease and have that person start building with ease you know that's what they feel will really draw people into their ecosystem
0: look there's a whole ecosystem that enables it right like stack is a perfect example there's a ton you know there's code samples there's code pen and like the tools that we have for communicating and expressing things around code and then if it's open source code and you can cut and paste it and you can go get it and run it, it's a superpower. Things like npm package managers are superpowers. Things oh, like
1: oh, I saw something the other day. I wanted to I wanted to share with you. It's a startup called Rose. Okay, and Rose.
0: Here you're gonna hear my loud keyboard, my
1: DOS keyboard. Rose, you, you make the Excel sheet and then you just like hit a button and it turns it into a web app. <laughs> Excel oh, sheet yeah. to web app. <laughs> I know this is your jam, right?
0: Well, this is the thing. I'm fascinated by low code. I'm fascinated by stuff like Airtable and so on because what it does is it enables that person who's in the back room who is really annoyed with how inefficient everybody is and yes. like all the the crappy spreadsheets that they use. It's just it's like a kind of pseudo programming that they can then go ahead and build an app out in like Airtable and say, why don't we use this instead? And it, it sort of spreads virally. Inside of the org is people go like, yeah, okay, I guess so. I filled out the form, right? You know, it's, it's sort of like yeah. Excel. And meanwhile, that person, even if they don't think of themselves as a programmer, is doing that programming. And so I think it'd be very easy to see that as a threat. If anything, it just makes the whole universe that we're in a lot better. But it's the opposite of open, right? Now you've got platform lock-in and you're using a you're using a, a tool and you're writing your code and you're running it in a sort of visual way inside of a closed environment. So, you know, we're we're always going in one direction or the other when we sit down to to make things.
1: Right. All right, everybody. That wraps up part one of our live episode recorded with Fishbowl. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, let us know. We might try more live stuff in the future. And that was part one. So please do tune in tomorrow. We'll have part two of this podcast, some more conversation from the fishbowl, some really interesting questions from people who work at companies with large engineering teams, but perhaps are not communicating with them as well as they could, or getting along with them as well as they want to, how to communicate and get along with your engineers. Lots of great conversations. So tune in tomorrow for part two.